right. Well, good morning. We are in the New Testament book of Colossians. Originally, it was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote from prison to the Colossian church, and it has become a part of our New Testament. Last week, when we looked at the beginning verses in the first chapter of Colossians, one of the things we learned was that God will grow you. God by his might, God by his wisdom, God by his power and his love and his grace and his work in your life, he will grow you. Your job, your responsibility, and mine is to provide the right conditions, to put myself in circumstances that will help that growth happen. One of the ways you can do that is to attend an adult uh, discipleship class after our uh, worship service hour. There are many, uh, several topics available to you. You can sit in on one of those classes. It will grow your mind. It will grow your heart. And it will help you connect with other people here at Calvary. So I would encourage you to take a look in the bulletin at the information that's in there and think, maybe it's worth it. You know you're already here. Just stay an extra hour and put yourself into a position where God can accelerate your growth. Or maybe growth for you means a next step, and your next step might be baptism. If you're thinking about baptism, you've never been baptized, and you want to make that step in your journey of growth, there's a baptism class today you can attend. You don't have to sign up for it. Um, I believe it's upstairs. Again, the info's in your bulletin. But it's up to you to make the choice to make these next steps. Attend a class, the discipleship class or the baptism class, and God will use that to grow you. My name is Rich. I'm serving as interim pastor here at Calvary, and I'm really happy to be in the house of the Lord with you again today. And I really can't wait to dive into these next couple verses in Colossians. They are power-packed. So before we do, take just 30 seconds and sit with the Lord and say, Here I am, Lord. Help me to hear your voice today. Help me to hear what you have to say to me. So uh, take a moment, close your eyes, bow your head down, and pray something like that to get yourself ready. Lord, the truth is it's so easy for me to read through your word and skim through it and not let any of it really sink in, especially passages I read before that are familiar. I can just breeze right through them and not think, help us today to hear your voice and to hear what it is you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I like words. One of the reasons I'm really excited about the couple verses we're going to look at today is it's got some great words in it. I like words. I like doing word games. I like boggle. I like Scrabble. I play the Daily Jumble on my phone. I do Wordle. Uh, I'm actually pretty good at word games. I'm terrible at numbers games. Uh, I can't even say the title right, Sudoku, Sudoku. It's got numbers in it. I'm not interested at all. I can't line those things up and make those work. But you scramble letters for me, I can unscramble those into a word really quickly. And you know what's the, the brain teaser things I really don't like? is the ones that go something like this. There are four children standing in a line. The girl with the red dress is in front of the boy with the black shoes, and the boy with the blue shirt is taller than, and what order are they standing in? I don't know, but I like words. And this passage we're going to look at today has three words, and I especially like words when you find them in Scripture and you understand what that word means, and it, and it opens up your understanding of the passage because, oh, now I know why Paul chose that word in that circumstance. One of the words gets translated into the word we know as transfer. So to kind of warm up our minds, let's just think about what kinds of things we transfer. When I was thinking about transfer, I thought of things like, uh, if you're 
of taking public transportation, if you're on a subway or a train or a bus, you can transfer. You can transfer lines. You can transfer to a different train. I transfer money in my accounts. I transfer money from savings sometimes into my checking when I have to make a payment. I hope to transfer money from my checking back to my savings so I can keep that built up. I transfer membership. Some of you may have transferred jobs. Some of it uh, could have been a, a good thing and you liked it. You may have been transferred. I know people who have served in the military and they've had their posts transferred from one assignment to another. You, I got transferred on a phone call. I was trying to get some help on customer service and they transferred me and transferred me and transferred me. You can, uh, you can uh, transfer control. Um, there are a lot of ways we transfer, a lot of things we transfer, but the essence of transfer means you are changing something from one place to another or one location to another. You're moving something if you're making a transfer. Jesus makes a transfer, and that's what this passage says. Let's look at it. We left off uh, last week uh, right before verse 12. We were in verse 11, uh, and the first part, uh, the last part of verse 11 was uh, reminding us about patient endurance. So that's where we are. Uh, Paul says he wants us to have patience, endurance. The Bible speaks that to us. And then it starts right here, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, this is one of those passages that we could just read right through and say, yeah, I know all that. But these verses are power packed. And I'm going to try to contain myself because I could get really excited about these. I'm going to hold on so I don't start running back and forth on the platform here when I talk about this. But this word, transfer, the word, the original Greek word is the word methistemi. Methistemi. And it's actually made up of two Greek words. It means, I think we have that on the next slide. Can we bring that one up? Yeah. So methistemi is a Greek word made up of two Greek words. Meta, that means to change. And histemi, that means position. So what this passage is saying is that Jesus has changed our position. That he has moved us. We were here, and he's transferred us to there. He's changed our position. From what to what? Let's go back to this passage again. Flip back to that slide. Verse 13 says, He, Jesus, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us, changed our position, to the kingdom of his beloved son. He's made a transfer. He's made a transaction. He's made a move that changes our position from where we were in the domain of darkness to where he brings us to be into his kingdom. Now, there are a couple more interesting words in here. Um, I think I have that slide too, um, if you can find that one. Yeah, domain. The Greek word for domain in this passage is the word exousias, and it means power. It means power to control and contain. And the domain of darkness in this passage is described as something that has power, that has control. And we were there. Let's not kid ourselves. The domain of darkness has power. It's a powerful thing. Satan's got a grip, and all of his demonic forces have a grip. And they had a grip on me before Jesus changed my position. It's a powerful grip. Between Satan's grip and my own sinfulness, I couldn't break out. I was stuck, trapped, a prisoner in a domain, a rule, a power, a control 
that under my own strength and ability, I couldn't get out of. Jesus comes to that domain and transfers us, changes our position to this kingdom, his kingdom. Kingdom is a bigger word. It's his kingdom. It's a kingly rule. It's his reign, his action, his lordship, his sovereign governance. So this passage is saying that Jesus took us from the domain, the rule, the power of darkness, and he transfers us. He changes our position, and he places us in his kingdom. His kingdom is ruled by love and by grace and by forgiveness and by mercy. We come under his authority and his power. That's the change of position from being caught in the domain of darkness that we could not get out of. We were hostages. We were prisoners. And Jesus busted us out and changed our position to make us part of his kingdom. I like the NIV, the way it translates this passage too, because it says he rescued us, that Jesus rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us and brought us into the king, his kingdom. I love that this is past tense, that he says he has transferred us. It's been done. And when I put that together with the NIV calls it a rescue, it really makes me think about what it took to make this happen. This was not a hostage negotiation. This was not the meeting of two equal powers to negotiate an exchange where Jesus says to the powers of darkness, I'll give you this, you give me those hostages. Not at all. This was not an equal power match. Jesus didn't come in gently. We like to think of Jesus, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. This wasn't gentle Jesus, meek and mild. This was Jesus busting down the doors of the domain of darkness with overwhelming force. He overpowered the power of darkness. He overruled the rule of darkness. He brought in a superior authority over the authority of darkness. And he rescued us. He brought us out by his power. He freed us from the domain of darkness. It's like he busted down the doors, busted our chains, made a way for us. All we have to do is follow him. He says, I did it. I came. I rescued you from the domain of darkness. Just follow me out. Just come with me. I, will, I have made the way, and you are free. Our job is to choose. So in a little while, we're going to remember communion together. We're going to hold the cup in our hands. And we're going to have the bread that reminds us of his body. And we're going to have the, the juice that reminds us of his blood. And again, like reading through a familiar passage, we could breeze right through communion and not think about what this really means. Today, in a little while, what we're going to remember when we take that cup and that bread is that Jesus rescued us from the domain of darkness. And he did it by his body and by his blood. He did it with the cross overwhelming power, overwhelming rule, and overwhelming authority. You know what? This was no equal match. The domain of darkness didn't stand a chance. Not a chance. Jesus won, and the victory is now ours by his body and by his blood. And we're going to, we're going to remember that later in communion. But right now, I want us to think about transfer. I want us to think about what Jesus has done. And to remember this. I said last week that one of the reasons Paul wrote this letter to the Colossian church was because they had some thinking that had gone off the rails. They had some thinking that had gotten twisted, and he was trying to correct it. 
And two of the, the areas that Paul was addressing, he hits right here. One of them was the supremacy of Christ. The Colossian church started thinking that maybe Jesus wasn't the ultimate ruler of this universe. Maybe uh, angels were equal to him. And they started to lower the importance of Jesus in some of their thinking in the church. The other thing that they started to do was they started to change their thinking from the kingdom of God is a place of faith and grace and changed it into a place of rules and rituals and religion. Now, keeping those two things in mind, let's just look at this passage again that I just read in, First Colossians, uh, in Colossians 1, 12 through 14. That God the Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You can almost imagine that Paul was using those two verses to blow their thinking out of the water. These two verses make Jesus supreme. These two verses put us in the position we are completely dependent on his rescue to get out of the domain of darkness. Not our own, not our own works, not our own goodness, not our own righteousness, not our own strength, not our own ability to get out of there ourselves. Completely dependent on Jesus. In these two verses... He hits head-on the issue that the Colossian church was having with remembering who Jesus was and remembering grace. And he makes this transfer. And within this transfer, I spent some time thinking about this transfer this week. This is huge. This is big. This is everything. Jesus moved our position from the, kingdom, the domain of darkness to his kingdom. But within that, a lot of things got transferred that we could lose along the way. And I want to point out my list. I just brainstormed the list, and there are more probably than I thought of this week. And I left you, if you take notes in your bulletin, I left a big space on the bulletin notes page for you to write this list as I say it. I'm going to run through some of the things that I remembered that Jesus transferred when he moved me from the, king, the domain of darkness to, the, to his kingdom. And you can jot those in, especially if you hear one where you go, oh yeah, that's one I really need to remember today. Write that one down. Use that space. And the first thing I thought of was, this transfer means a change of citizenship. It means a change of to whom and to where I belong. It means a change of my home, my country, my citizenship. It says this in Philippians 3, uh, 20, chapter 3, verse 20. The Bible reminds us here, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. That sounds a little bit about like what we just read in Colossians. It says our citizenship is in heaven. When I read the Bible and I'm trying to understand it, I often will ask myself, what does it not say? What words did it not use? Because remembering what words were not chosen, again, I'm a little bit of a word nerd, what words were not chosen helps me understand the words that were chosen. This is what this verse does not say. It does not say our citizenship will be in heaven. Let that sink in for a minute. This verse does not say our citizenship will one day be in heaven. It says our citizenship is now in heaven. That means... If you are here today or you are watching from home and you claim to be a follower of Jesus who has been rescued from the domain of darkness and relocated into his kingdom, you don't 
live here as a citizen of this earth anymore. You live here as a foreigner and as a stranger. Your citizenship has been transferred to the kingdom of heaven, to heaven. And you can confuse that. Even in this passage in Philippians, it says, uh, it says one day Jesus will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Yeah, that's going to happen later. This body will return to dust. This mortal shell will die. But me, the real rich, the one that got transferred, the one that got relocated, will go on to be with him forever. That will happen. That change will happen later. But the change that already happened right now is you are a citizen of heaven. Your citizenship's already recorded there. You have all the rights that come from being a citizen of heaven. It's important for us to remember that. I don't know if you're like me, but if I don't really try to remember that, I live as if I'm a citizen of earth. I live as if really this is all there is. I belong here. I've got to have all the rights and everything this world offers me because this is what there is, and this is my home. You ever think that way? The challenge is I actually love life. I love my life. I love where I live. I love my family. I love the things I do. I enjoy this life, and Jesus wants us to. But I have to be careful in my thinking that I don't think this is everything, that I forget and think I'm a citizen of this earth. I'm not. My citizenship has been transferred. My citizenship is in heaven now. That's what this says. And there's an inheritance that comes with that. Colossians um, 1.12 that we just read said uh, in uh, verse 12 that as we give thanks to the Father, he has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. He has qualified you to share in an inheritance. You now share in the inheritance of the saints in light. When you were in the domain of darkness, you had a very different inheritance. When you were transferred and your position was changed to the kingdom of light, your inheritance changed. So what is that inheritance? Romans 8, 15 through 17. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Let's leave this passage up here for a little bit because there's so much in it that talks about what got changed, what got transferred, what got transitioned. The first thing it says is that you were a slave, but your position has been changed. You're not a slave anymore. Now you're a son or a daughter. You've had your inheritance changed. You've had your family changed. You've had your name changed. There's been a transfer. You are no longer a slave, a hostage to the domain of darkness. You've been moved now into a family. You belong to Abba Father. You're a son or a daughter of the Most High God. And it gives you an inheritance, just like you would think of in a worldly way. Parents, you want to pass something on to your children. You want to leave them an inheritance. Jesus does the same thing. He says, you are my children, and I'm going to give you an inheritance. We're going to inherit heaven. We're going to inherit forever with him in his presence. We receive his spirit for now and and then for, so we can live with power. The spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves, it says, so that you live in fear. 
We inherit courage. We can leave fear behind. We inherit peace. We can leave worry behind and let Jesus transfer us into his kingdom, which is a kingdom of peace and love and light. It's an adoption. He has adopted us. We're not naturally born into the kingdom of heaven. We're naturally born into this world. And Jesus adopts us, signs the papers. Now they're mine. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We are God's children. And we have the rights of the firstborn. In the Old Testament days, it was Jewish custom, and some of it still carries on to today, that the firstborn son received an extra share of the inheritance, a double portion, and more rights and more privileges. It was a favored position that firstborn son had. And in our world today, we might think, that's so unfair. If you weren't the firstborn son, if you were a daughter or the secondborn son, you'd say, well, what about me? Don't I matter? But what this is saying here about us is that once Jesus transfers us into his kingdom, he treats all of us like the firstborn son. We all have the rights, a double portion. We all have the privileges. We all have the favored position of being the firstborn son. doesn't matter, Jew, Greek, slave, free, male, female. We are all children of God if we follow him out of the kingdom, domain of darkness, into his kingdom of light, by his blood and by the cross. Galatians 4, 7 says somewhat the same thing. You are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. This changes our identity. This is really huge. This might do well as its own Sunday morning sermon. Who are we? Our identity. I had a really great conversation with Leanne Appio. She's our student life coordinator here. She's also studying... Um, to get her master's in social work. And this week we had a conversation about identity. And she was saying some of the things she's learning about identity is that we, we develop the view of who we are, so much of that based on what everyone else tells us we are, what the world gives to us, what people say to us, sometimes what happens to us, good things and not so good things. Those things all form our identity, how we view ourselves and who we think we are. And we internalize some of that so that it really becomes our identity. I shared last week that one of the things I grew up internalizing was that I always felt like I, I wasn't good enough. I never measured up. And it wasn't just a random thought in my mind. The truth is it became my identity. It was who I thought I was. So whoever you think you are, whoever you're the people around you are telling you you are, whoever the world says you are, your true identity is who Jesus says you are. This is who Jesus says you are. You're his daughter. You're his son. You're his child. You are his prized possession. He stormed the gates of the domain of darkness to bring you out because you matter to him. He rescued you. He came for you. He says he turned heaven and earth upside down. Just like that shepherd that leaves his 99 to go find that one lost sheep. Just like that woman who shook every garment and every carpet and moved every piece of furniture in her house to find that one lost coin. Just like that father who could not wait for his son to return. Jesus looks at you and says, this is who you are. Don't worry about what the world says. Forget about what everybody else says who you are. They might say you're a failure. They might say you don't amount to much. 
They might say you don't matter. They might say you have no value. They might say you're not as important as someone else. Don't listen to those voices because they will create an identity that is not true. Your true, your true identity in Christ is who he says you are. And he says you are a dearly loved child who is precious to him. He loves you and he gave his life for you. He loves you that much. He's transferred our identity. 1 John 3, 1 says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Could you think that about yourself? Could you read that verse this way? What love, what great love the Father has lavished on me. Could you do it that way? You don't have to say it out loud. I won't make you repeat it out loud. But could you do it that way? Could you say, what great love the Father has lavished on me that I should be called his child, and that is what I am? That's how you declare your identity. Leanne had a great suggestion when we were talking the other day. She says she does this, and she suggests this to people, is to write down some scripture verses that say things like this about who you are in Christ and put them around where you can see them. So you could, sit, you could read this. Maybe, you know, you put it on a sticky note and you stick it on your bathroom mirror so when you get up in the morning you read, what great love the Father has lavished on me that I should be called his child. And you know what? That's what I am. By his doing, by his doing. Not because I earned it or deserved it or broke out of the darkness myself. Not because I'm better than you or better than other people. Just because he loves me. Because he decided to adopt me and make me his child. That's who I am. You have to say it about yourself just as confidently. That's who I am. Because that's who Jesus says I am. And he transferred me to a different path. If you're following him, you're walking a different path than you used to. Am I right? You used to walk on a dark path. All of us at some point in life. When we came to Jesus, you might have been a child, you might have been a teenager, I was 18 years old, you might have been an adult, it might have been just the other day, I don't know, for each of us. But this part of our story is the same. You were walking on a dark path, and Jesus transferred you to one that has light. You were following yourself, or you were following darkness, or you were following someone else, and Jesus changed that, and he put you on a path where you're following him. And you might, always not, you might not always feel like you're doing it as well as you can, but you are on a new path if you're in Christ because he changed it. He changed the position. He changed the location. Jesus said once that wide is the path and many are on it that lead to destruction. Narrow is the path and few are on it that lead to life. If Jesus had made this transfer in your life, you're on that one. You're on that path. You're not on the same one you used to be on. So the Bible would call us to walk that way. Walk like we're on that path. Remind ourselves like we're on that path, that path of light. Jesus said this in John 8, 12. He said, when Jesus spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He could have said it this way. You used to walk in darkness. Now you walk in my light. We've made a change here, folks. Follow me and walk in the light. I thought of it this way. He has changed us from being minions in the dominion of darkness to being priests, ambassadors, ministers, a holy nation. Do you know that about yourself? The Bible says this is what you are. 
in Christ. Let me show it to you. 1 Peter 2.9. It says this about all of you and me and all of us together, about his people. You are a chosen people. You are. You are a chosen people. You are a special people. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You're not regular people anymore. Jesus has changed you. He's changed your position. In his eyes, when he looks at you, he sees someone who's been chosen. He sees a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. When Jesus looks at you now, he doesn't say, oh, they're stuck in the domain of darkness. When he looks at you now, he says, people who belong to God, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Are you seeing a, a pattern here? In all of these verses, there's been a transfer made. And he's transferred our account. And this is the one I really want us to think about as we move closer to communion. I mentioned earlier, you know, I transfer money between bank accounts so that I can pay bills and, and cash out and try to put... Jesus made a transfer in our account. Our account was bleak before God. My account before God was bleak. I had nothing to pay my debt with. I owed him a huge debt because of my own choices and my own sin. And I didn't have enough money in my spiritual bank to pay that one off. I didn't. I couldn't transfer enough money to make that happen. But the Bible says Jesus did. Jesus canceled out that account. He paid for it. He paid for all of it so that my account had a zero balance. I don't owe anything to God because Jesus pays it. In Colossians, um, we're going to get to this in the next chapter of Colossians, chapter 2, and we'll spend more time in this, but just look at what this says in verses 13 and 14. Paul reminds them, when they were dead in their sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Listen to this. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. Canceled it. Done which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. What Jesus did at the cross was he canceled your debt. He made a transfer of payment that you could never make on your own, but that he lavished on you. Wash your account clean. He made a transfer in me from sin and guilt to forgiveness and a clear conscience. Let's take one more look at our the Colossians passage we started with, and then we're going to move into communion. And while I read this, I'm going to ask the band to come up and get in place now, if you would. Think about transfer. Think about this change of position from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of light. Think about all the things I just mentioned that he has transferred us. And you may have thought of some others on your own. If you did, let me know. I'll add them to my list. We give thanks to the Father... We give thanks to the Father, Father because he has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. You didn't qualify on your own. He qualified you because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. He has delivered you from the domain of darkness, and he changed your position to one in the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. That's what we're going to remember in communion. So on the way in here, I hope you got a communion cup with both elements in it. If you did not, raise your hand, and we'll have an usher bring you one 
the band is going to lead us through a song, and after the song is over, I'm going to come back up and lead us to take those elements. So just have them ready, or if you're observing communion with us at home, have your elements ready so that when this song is done, I can come back and lead us through the taking of those. But uh, this is what I want you to do. This is a wonderful song. If you listen to the words of this song, it lavishes the truth of God's love over you. So I want you to receive that. While you hold that cup, just hold it in your hand and think about what it represents. There's a little piece of bread in there that represents what Jesus did on that cross, that his body was nailed there. There's a little bit of juice that represents the blood that was spilled. That was the cost. That was the payment that canceled out my debt and your debt. Why? Because God loves you so much. And then when this song is done, I'll come back up here and I'll lead us through communion. Or while you're sitting there thinking, if you jotted down some things that Jesus transferred in you and one of them is really speaking to your heart, then give thanks to God for that one. Say, thank you, Jesus, for changing my identity. Thank you, Jesus, for changing my citizenship or my inheritance or my family name. Thank you, Jesus, for changing my guilt and my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for changing the path I was on. All right. Emmanuel, why don't you lead us through that and I'll come back.